little bit of a pause there to raise the Easter expectations. <laughs> Good morning. Happy Easter. Christ is risen. He is risen Let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you guide our reading of your word? Lead us into your truth. Lead us into relationship with Jesus, who is risen from the dead, who is alive forevermore, who calls us to him, to know him, into his love forevermore. Amen. Our reading this morning is taken from the Gospel according to John, chapter 20, verses 1 to 18. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Christ is risen. So a few weeks ago, I went to one of my favorite restaurants in Guelph, Naha's Thai Kitchen. I'd ordered takeout, of course, as we do these days. So I put my mask on and I went in. It's a small space if you know it, but there was someone inside, someone else there waiting for their food. I knew mine was ready, so I went right up to the counter. And as I was paying for my order, I heard a voice and it said, 
Okay, it didn't, it didn't sound quite like that. But someone spoke my name. To my surprise, really to my shock, the guy who was standing there off to the side knew me. But I had no clue what was going on. As an extrovert, I am used to making eye contact, and I really enjoy the exchange between two people. I enjoy chatting with whoever I meet. I sometimes embarrass my kids by talking to the grocery store clerk or whoever may be around. But the pandemic has really changed that for us, hasn't it? We keep our heads down. We don't expect to recognize others. We look for signs on the floor to see where to stand. I went in to that restaurant expecting green curry and pad thai. I was not expecting someone to recognize me and so personally. But someone did, someone called my name. And the next thing the voice said was, hey, it's Howard. And the pieces came together for me at that point. It was Howard Sullivan behind that mask. If you were with us on Good Friday, he spoke as part of the service, so maybe you've seen him even if you haven't met him. How many times over the past year have we passed by people in masks, people we know and yet don't recognize? Or maybe we were able to figure it out somehow from their hair, from the upper half of their head, from the way they walk, something distinctive about them. And so we were able to call out their name. To be not recognized, to be hidden behind a mask, is, I think, kind of a symbol of the loneliness of this past year. But at the same time, it points to something deeper, a deeper problem all of us have. The Bible says that God created us for relationships whether we're more extroverted or more introverted, ultimately for relationship with God. And the absence of that face-to-face -face physical presence with other people has been at the heart of the suffering through this pandemic. So it's one year later and we're still dealing with COVID. We lost so much this past year. Those losses formed and filled our lament on Good Friday. And we've been waiting, too, waiting for the pandemic to end, waiting to get our vaccine for that phone call or that email, waiting to see loved ones and to even be able to hold them close, waiting to travel, to go places, waiting for a fuller life again. We are waiting, just as the disciples were waiting on Holy Saturday, the day between Good Friday and Easter Sunday. And so like Mary, we arrive this morning at the tomb. When you lose someone you love, there's a sense of dislocation. It's like you don't know where you are. You wander in your grief, even if you never leave your house. You're seeking something, you're seeking solace. Mary was full of grief that morning. She's not ready to let go of Jesus, and, she, and so she goes to the tomb to look for him, even though she didn't know what to expect. Mary had followed Jesus and loved him like perhaps no one else had. She had believed him, 
And when he died, it felt like her whole world had come to an end. But this scene is such a strange contrast from the perspective we have of knowing what's going on. She's there with angels standing right in front of her, and the Lord is directly behind her, close enough to wrap his arms around her, and yet she feels this incredible heavy loneliness. I think that's a comfort to us. It has to be that even when we feel alone, when all our hope appears to be lost, Jesus is right there, right behind us, with his loving presence surrounding us, even when we can't recognize it. And when Jesus speaks to Mary, she doesn't know who he is. There are so many clues here, and she misses every single one of them. Jesus told his disciples over and over again, and beyond that, the word got out to the point where the religious leaders sent guards to make sure his followers didn't steal the body of Jesus. He told them that he would rise on the third day. And here we are, it's the morning of the third day, and where are the disciples? After all those sermons, after all that teaching, well, they're not here. Mary is the one at the tomb. And what does she find? She finds the tomb is empty. Don't you think she might wonder at that point? It might ring a bell for her. But she misses what's right in front of her. Instead, she says, they've taken my Lord away. She draws the conclusion that they have stolen the body of Jesus. But Jesus always asks us, what are you really after? What do you want? Who are you looking for? For him, those are questions that are ultimately about life and death. He sees beneath the surface of our desires to what we truly need. He knows who we are. He knows where we're headed. He's with us as all of that happens. He's waiting for us even as we fail to recognize him. And the turning point here in John 20 comes when Jesus calls Mary by name. Everything changes when she hears his voice. And he says one word, and it's a word that echoes through the New Testament. It's one of those moments when Jesus speaks and everything stops. Everything changes. He says, Mary. And in that moment, she grasps in a way she never had the gospel. She was lost, but now she's found. She was blind, but now she sees. Her eyes are opened, and she recognizes Jesus as he reveals himself. That can be true for us also. Some of you have stories like that. You've heard the still, small voice of God, almost as though he called your name audibly. When we hear his voice, no matter what our circumstances, in the midst of our pain, our sadness, our waiting, our boredom, our mundane lives, our busy lives, 
he comes to us. He makes himself known to us. Mary was going through the motions of grief, coming to the tomb of Jesus to mourn, not sure of what else to do. That's like us too. Sometimes we don't know how to start on the journey of faith. We don't know how to get back on track with our faith. We want to have faith. And so this story reminds us of where faith begins. Jesus knows us. He invites us into a relationship so that we can get to know him better. And as we do that, we come to know ourselves. And as our knowledge of who we are aligns with how Jesus knows us, we enter into the peace that he wants for us. He fills our emptiness in a way that we've always failed to do. He forgives us and he releases us from the burden of our sin, our self-centeredness. He is the source of true and eternal life. We've seen that over and over again as he has said, I am the bread of, the li bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. He is the source of the life we need to the point of having overcome death. That's the meaning of Easter. That's why we celebrate this morning. Jesus is the one who takes the initiative. He gives us the gift of faith. Salvation is always by grace if it comes. And we see that Jesus spoke first here as he had loved Mary first, before she knew, before she had changed. We don't come to God by our work. It's only by his work. It's not about pulling ourselves together or trying harder or achieving those things that we want to achieve in our lives. That is the way of the world, and those things can be good, but either you succeed or you fail at them. But at the cross, Jesus says, it's finished. It is done for you. What you could never do, I have done it. And so to grasp the gospel is to find that rest, the rest we experience by God's grace, and then to serve him and to serve others out of that freedom. We don't give God the gift of faith. He gives it to us. So Jesus calls Mary. He calls all of us by name. And then he sends us out. Mary is the first great missionary of the church. Augustine calls her the apostle to the apostles. Peter was there, John was there, Mary was there. They were all there, but Jesus doesn't come out into the open until it's just Mary. Why would that be the case? Well, I think, again, to show his grace. Mary had a really dark past. Jesus had healed her. He had cast demons out of her. Her past was full of mental illness and trauma, of abuse, hard days. And so Jesus shows that his strength is made perfect in our weakness. He chooses the one who is ready to receive him. This is how God works. It can only happen by grace. The gospel is for every, everyone. It is 
the most unifying, the most humbling, the most broad way in the world. And yet it calls us to one person. It calls us to Jesus. The next thing that happens is really kind of strange in this story. Jesus tells Mary, after this intimate moment of saying her name and her recognition of him, he says to her, don't hold on to me. It's kind of like a rebuke almost. It sounds like maybe he's warning her to keep her distance because he's so holy, like Moses at the burning bush. Except a more accurate translation here would be don't hold on to me so tightly or even stop squeezing me so hard, which is actually a little bit funny. That's how we infer that Mary has embraced Jesus. We, we have to figure out, it doesn't actually say that there's a hug that took place here. And I think that makes it even more significant. Between verse 16 and verse 17, Mary reaches for Jesus, and it's an embrace that shows Jesus is really real. He's really physically there. He is resurrected. He has a body. It's a different body. People don't recognize Jesus after the resurrection. But it's God's way of making clear to us that the physical world is good. He created it that way, and his kingdom is in this world. It's coming to change our world on heaven, on earth as it is in heaven, and we're going to be part of that. We are going to be sent out as Mary is sent out to meet physical needs, to give people the food, the love, the care that they need so badly, to fight for justice on behalf of those who have no voice, to build the church, to be part of his kingdom. And this hug that Jesus exchanged with Mary seems like the best thing you could hope for, right? During this pandemic, so many of us have been waiting for the chance to hug our family and friends again. I saw a couple of days ago, some people, two people hug indoors, and I, I kind of did a double take. It was the shocking, scandalous thing. I wanted to point and say, did anyone else see that? Can, can we do something about that? Even if you're not a natural hugger, maybe the thought of hugging people all over the place once we can do that doesn't thrill you. I think all of us feel that sense of loss, that we've, we've missed out on the closeness, the intimacy that we need at some level. If you'd rather not think of the coming of the end of the pandemic as this big group hug, if that's not your happy place, then picture your favorite couch. Picture the corner, the comfortable chair. Picture that place where you are at peace, where you can relax, where you feel truly at home. Because that homecoming is what God promises and what we see embodied here in the exchange between Mary and Jesus. So why then does Jesus push Mary away? Well, I think simply because he's no longer just for her. 
or for the 12, or for the 72, or the 5,000. It's not going to be like it was before. It's going to be so much better now. When Jesus says, I'm ascending, it's his way of saying that he's going to heaven to send the Holy Spirit. And he's done a lot of teaching about the Spirit with his disciples. And he's told them that the Holy Spirit is going to make him even more real to them. If the Spirit comes into your life, the fullness of grasping Jesus will be even greater than if you could know him as Mary did, than if you could hug him and cling to him and hold him. You can have that joy because Jesus left and sent the comforter, the advocate, the one who fights for us, the one who guides us, the one who sustains us, his spirit. But it won't be an individual thing, like a hug always is between two people. Jesus says, go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. This is the first time in the Gospel of John that Jesus has called his disciples brothers. Up until now, they were always his students. He called them his friends at the Last Supper, but now they have become a family. And so he gives us a whole new body to embrace, the body of Christ, his people, the church. And that's where we learn to listen to the voice of Jesus as we gather around his word, as we read his scripture in our own lives, all of that guided by the Spirit. Now, if this sounds good to you, if, if this is something you want, this new life that Jesus offers, you will need his church. And within that community of people seeking to follow Christ, you will start to lose the masks that you have worn, the ways you have hidden yourself from others. You will begin, by God's grace, over time to grow into honest and open relationships with other Christians who are brothers and sisters to you, to forgive others as you've been forgiven, to serve as you have been served. Jesus tells us that his Father is now our Father, and his God is our God as he sends Mary out to share the good news of the hope of the resurrection. And so I want to leave you with a picture this morning, and it comes back to the naming of Mary and to this hug, which I think is so much more poignant for us this year after a pandemic, 12 months of being separate. Jesus calls Mary by naming her. It's his way of telling us, if you want to know who you are, who you really are, then get to know me. I know you. I made you. I love you. And the way you're going to find yourself is by finding me. Jesus knows that you are looking for purpose, for meaning, for satisfaction everywhere else. And there's a story about that, about a son or a daughter who goes to a far country, 
who throws away all the good things her parents have given her, who squanders opportunities, who betrays trust. But this prodigal son, this prodigal daughter, starts to come home as he recognizes his need, his emptiness. And the father, seeing his child come from the distance, doesn't even wait. He runs out of his house. He runs to his child. He flings his arm around her. He welcomes them home. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. When you get me, you get my life forever. I went to the cross to give you an ultimate hope, the hope that you can change where you have given up on that, the hope that you are changed now as you recognize me, as you become a new person in me, as your sins are a thing of the past, as death itself is defeated, Jesus says, I have opened the door. Now believe. Now come home to me. Christ is risen.